Welcome to The Board, a podcast series on mechanical keyboards by the mechanical keyboard community. Proudly brought to you by Idea23, awesome caps at great prices, and Kibio, the place for split keyboards. This week, due to very late notice, Kevin's actually traveling for work again. So what I've decided to do today is to have a bit of fun and also, I'm more than happy to admit, being human and all, I didn't have a lot of energy from things this happening this week, so I didn't spend a lot of time in collecting and, and gathering a lot of thoughts in regards to topics. I do have a couple of things, of course, that I will talk through and mention, but if I do have some free time and availability, what my plan is to do is to actually hop into the Australian Discord server and just chill out there, and if anyone comes on, have a quick chat, you know, that kind of thing. So there may be a bit of a filler episode happening towards the, I suppose, tail end of this episode, just depending on how things go. In, I suppose, a quick catch-up for the week gone by for me, this week has been pretty busy at work. A few people were away on holidays and whatnot, so I've been pretty flat out and therefore coming home just chilling out and relaxing. I haven't spent a lot of time digging through and reading up on topics and so on and so forth. Now, last week, or really this week gone by, I released a video on our YouTube channel showing that I had tested a breadboard built circuit for a very specific type of, uh, I suppose, keypad. The design of this keypad is really for a single button press to lock to Windows-based computers simultaneously. And because of limitations on how USB works, I have to use two Pro Micros and they communicate with each computer separately, but the circuit is set up with that single press that both fire simultaneously. Now, I put up that video testing that the breadboard works. I took the breadboard to work and it also works at work. Uh, there were some concerns in regards to the network's actually allowing the devices to be recognized correctly and not having security aspects kick in, but it does work. So that's really fantastic. The next step from there really is to, I suppose, put it into a PCB and just put one together as a test prototype and send it off to the person who had requested it to see if they like it and then go from there if there's actually further traction. So it's, it's an interesting project. I tried to start recording a video about actually setting up that that project, that PCB in KiCad, and I was just rambling on, having a really hard time figuring out what I was doing with the circuitry, even though I had breadboarded it, while giving the voiceover at the same time. For those people who haven't done videos or voiceovers when you're actually working on something, to be able to concentrate on what you're doing and what you're thinking while you're talking about what you're doing can be actually really challenging. It takes a lot of practice, a lot of skill, a lot of depth of knowledge quite often to get through that kind of activity. Now, what that means is, I don't know if I'm gonna try and do another video on it and start from scratch now that I've got a much better idea on what the heck I'm actually doing with that circuit or not, but it would help if you guys, our listeners, let me know if you want to see another series of videos of me designing something in KiCad. I did a series, a five-part series, I think, from memory on one of the other macro pads that I built that was a little bit more standard. But if you do want to see me go through that process again with a different example, let me know, okay? Now, this week, we have a new Patreon joining us. Thank you very much. And I want to say... A huge thank you to Bram. Now, I'm going to probably stuff up the surname here, so I do apologize, but I think it's Verit Bruggen, but I'm not 100% because it's spelled V-E-R-E-E-R-T-B-R-U-G-G-H-E-N. So, Verit and then Bruggen. But, hey, if I get it wrong, I guess someone will correct me. Now, their shout-out was not so much as a shout-out, but a question, and I'm more than happy to have this discussion. Of course, I can only give my comments right now on it. 
if we hop into the Discord server chat later with the with the Australian folk, and if they do turn up, then I can ask them that too. So you can have a good spread of what their thoughts are down under. So the question was, being in this hobby means people I know frequently ask, why the hell would you need more than one keyboard? So it's a very interesting question. For me, I think it's more that I use a lot of computers in different locations and having more than one keyboard from a functional point of view means I have my daily driver here at home. I have a daily driver that I leave at work. It means I have another keyboard that I can take for traveling purposes that fits that form factor because it's going to be a smaller, lighter keyboard. You know, and plus the fact that variety is really the spice of life. So being able to chop and change switches, keycaps, form factors, and just how it feels to type, because we do so much typing these days, or at least I know I do, it really just helps mix things up. Now, yes, I know a lot of people probably say, but you use the same keyboard that Philco at home all the time. Yes, but I do change my keyboard at work. I've been swapping between my split VEA clone and that 96 tab out kit with the dead RGBs on the bottom. Uh, I still have my Topray FC660C at work, incidentally, and so is my Ducky Legend. So, you know, I'm cycling between those keyboards just for something different. And it's also a really great talking piece for people when they don't realize and understand that you have a lot of options. It provides ergonomics, it provides customizability, and you know, it adds a bit of fun, adds a bit of color to your life and the experience of typing. So that is why I, I wouldn't say need to have more than one keyboard, but that is one of the reasons why I enjoy having more than one keyboard. Now, of course, Kevin might have completely different reasons and everybody else would as well. Suppose on the other side, there's also a factor of collecting cool looking keyboards, you know, nice looking keyboards, expensive keyboards. It's like any other hobby. There's different facets that you can get embedded into. So yeah. Right. Now let's roll into a couple of things this week. I want to start off with a product announcement, which is a new product from one of our sponsors, Kibio. And it's actually called the Tragic Force 68. It's a replacement PCB for the Magic Force 68. Uh, now, I actually have just recently been gifted a Magic Force 68. So if I somehow stuff up that PCB, I know now I can get a replacement, <laughs> which is actually which is actually a lot of fun because one of our fans. Mitenole, thank you very much, has generously sent me a box of goodies, both to review as well as for stuff in there for me to keep and play with. And included in that is a Magiforce 68, which has some switches that don't seem to work. One of them is fully stuck down. Another one apparently might just be a bad solder job, but I won't know until I actually get in there and check it out. But for whatever reason, if the PCB is stuffed, then voila, I can get hold of one of these, whack a Pro Micro on it, and away I go. So it's pretty cool. It's $13 plus shipping. It does support MX and ALP switches. So if you want to change your new Magi 468 to ALPs, it does have in-switch LED support. And you can also use PCB mount stabilizers instead of plate mount stabilizers, which is my personal preference. Now, you can also put in split space bars, but you will have to cut your plate to allow for those dabs to fit. So yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I think uh, it's great that you have options because it means you can completely reprogram your form factor with TMK and QMK using this device as well. Radio, moving right along. Now, where's my, my sheet gone? There it is. <clears throat> I'm trying not to come down with something right now as well because the weather's been really chilly in Sydney dropping down to sort of minus one in some of the west areas, but it's been about three degrees in the morning when I get up to go to work. So, uh, and my trains on my train line don't have air conditioning, which means 
I can actually sit inside the train on my way to work at 5.30 in the morning and I can see my breath misting inside the train carriage. It's, it's not pleasant at all. Now, moving right along, moving right along. Last week, I had talked about the soul. I talked about the USB Fusion, which was a power adapted device that takes an alternative power supply and converts it into a form that would go with the split keyboard design soul to give you the brightest lighting on a keyboard anywhere in the world. The criticism that came from that essentially was the fact that the designer had not put in safety features. And a lot of people came out and just absolutely lambasted them. And they were very defensive about the whole situation and said, oh, I've put in a warning and, you know, if they'd done it right, it shouldn't be a concern and this, that, and the other. Well, there's been an update on that. And they've basically backtracked and said thanks to the community. They've worked with some people and they are now revising the Fusion and has put in a whole bunch of protection for the host computer and power supplies and reducing the risk of fire. So they've put in some USB filter and uh, electrostatic device protection. They put in a fuse, which is really great. A six amp fuse though, that's massive. There's a manual jumper switch. So you can actually choose which source that you're gonna get uh, power from. There's some, there's another fuse and a base that will actually completely cover that bottom PCB. So there's a much lower risk of accidental damage or shorting to the PCB, which may cause electrocution and so on and so forth. So yeah, it is great that they've taken this step and it is a step in the right direction to ensure that users of their product are going to be safe in both electrical safety as well as personal safety, I suppose, electronic safety rather than electrical, sorry, since it's all electrical related. But I still feel that they shouldn't have been so defensive in the first place. When you're designing and developing devices, these are the kinds of things that you really have to think about. And if this was to actually ever be a commercial product, then it would have to meet certain standards. Now, if it was in Australia, there are Australian standards for electrical goods and electrical safety. And part of this is actually, you know, finger tests and poke tests and things like that. It's pretty funny because I don't know if this is just hearsay or, or true, true fact, but I have electrical engineering friends and they tell me that as part of the Australian standards testing, they actually have fingers and hands and toes that are used for testing. So they're basically conductive, I suppose, model fingers of average human size by age. So there's like kids' fingers and adult fingers. <laughs> and part of the rules for the Australian standards testing is that they say your enclosure must not enable, you know, appendages, fingers and toes and things like that to be able to touch certain components or receive electrical shock. Now, now that's that's paraphrasing. That's in a, a very nutshell, high level kind of, you know, sure, you need, a device, you need to develop your device so you don't get zapped. And they actually prod your product with these finger probes hooked up to like a multimeter or a tester device to see if it will actually receive shock, as well as physical damage. So if you run your finger along, you know, holes and vents and edges and corners and screw holes and things like that, they're not going to get hurt or damaged. So, and if you don't manage to succeed that test, then it gets rejected. And therefore you have to go back to the drawing board and resubmit a new production sample that indicates it will pass these standards, at least to be accepted for, you know, consumer release and sale and stuff like that in Australia. So, you know, yes, we are in a hobby space. We are in a hobby field. But if you're going to be developing products like this, especially if you're going to be dealing with high level power, then, you know, a five volt USB that comes from a computer, which obviously has fuses and whatnot internally to prevent uh, incidents from happening, then think about it. Think about it. And if in doubt, always do the right thing and take those additional steps. 
Right. Moving right along. And that was just me talking about the soul. This whole thing about back announcing, you know, I'm still not quite sure when or <laughs> I should or should not be back announcing. Someone did, the, the original requester did say it wasn't necessary for all topics, but I can't actually remember 100% what the definition that they had requested was. I think it was something to do with like group buys or key sets or things like that we're talking about when you talk for a long period of time. Anyway, let's roll on. So now, um, this week I saw a really interesting product that was released by Vermillo. Now, I while looking through Reddit this week, I don't actually recall seeing it on Reddit. So I'm not even sure if they actually made it a big enough deal that people were jumping on it. Or this could have been something that they had talked about or released a while ago that I just hadn't seen or realized. So I do apologize either way if it was something that people have previously talked about and discussed or if it's just something that nobody really cares about. But I saw it primarily through my Facebook account where they had an advert for this thing called the VD box. The VD box. And it's described as a device that can swap your wired keyboard to Bluetooth keyboard dual mode and one keyboard control can control at most four devices. So I was just like, oh, that's really, really interesting. What it is, is it's a little box. Uh, I don't know if I can find the dimensions of this box because it looks relatively little. Uh, let me zip through to see if there's any technical space. Okay, here we go. So it's 57 and a half by 37 by 13 millimeters. So it's pretty small. I mean, it's like two and a bit inches by an inch and a half by half an inch, roughly. Okay. It's got four, well, it's got four corner buttons, one, two, three in line. It's got a, like a, a reset button or a power button or something like that. And a skip button. Not quite, or is that just like a, like a line light indicator or something like that? Are they just lights? They might just be lights. I think they're just lights. Okay, so there's there's actually only four buttons on it, and then there's a... Ah, so it's a reset hole, a battery indicator, a PC interface, and a keyboard interface. So you're supposed to plug in your wide keyboard into the line, and then you can plug your PC into it as well. So it's, I suppose it's a communication thing. And then you've got Bluetooth button one, two, and three. So that you can essentially switch like a KVM kind of thing between different devices. I think that's pretty cool. It's a really neat idea. It's a really, really neat idea. But some things with this that kind of bugs me a little bit is, well, the cables they give you is only 30 centimeters. So it's pretty short. But most people are probably going to be, you know, at a desk and, and have a connection available in some capacity. But 30 centimeters to connect from your keyboard to this device and this device to your PC, I think that's a bit short. And the second thing though for me is the battery in this is really, really short, really, really light. It's a 400 milliamp battery. Like 400 milliamps is nothing when it comes to batteries these days when you consider that you know, even really cheap mobile phones are like 1200 or 1800 milliamps. And some of the bigger ones these days are 3000 milliamps. Your power bank is like 10,000 milliamps. So 400 milliamps is pretty weak, pretty weak. But they do claim that if you have a keyboard plugged into it, then it should run for about five hours or so, as long as you don't have any backlit on it. Five hours is a good amount of time, but if you're going to be using it all day, like in a standard work day, that's like a seven to eight hours. So it won't even last a full day without needing battery support or recharging. So, you know, to me, it seems a little bit gimmicky. Seems a little bit gimmicky, but it's a cool idea for somebody who is wanting, and, and I'll do say wanting, because it's not a necessity, who is wanting a little bit more wirelessness 
in their lives because you're not eliminating cabling or wires completely since you still have to plug your keyboard, your wired keyboard, into this device. Now, if your keyboard doesn't have a detachable cable, you're going to have all this cable that you're going to have to bundle up somehow. If your cable does have a detachable cable and you swap it out for a shorter cable that goes into this, then you're going to ruin a little bit of your aesthetics because you don't have your custom cable going into it, if you have a custom cable, or you have to now purchase a much shorter custom cable to suit and fit. Now, of course, this VD box comes in a bunch of colors. Uh, let me find a picture that shows. So it's like black, red, like a lime green. Yeah, you know, it's it's nice enough, but probably not going to suit a lot of people's desks and aesthetics, except for just the black one, because the red is a very darkish red and the green's a very lime-ish kind of yellowy green as well. So I thought I'd mention it because I hadn't seen it. It isn't a good idea. It's it's a pretty cool idea, but the practicalities and upshot of it is probably not going to be as useful as it seems on first inspection. Okie dokie. So that is the Vermillo VD box. Right. Now, what have I got left? Uh... What have I got left? Okay. One more thing before I roll into kind of like our uh, competition space, as it were, since it is actually the 1st of September today. So it is a new month. It is a new month. Now, I've talked about a new keyboard forum many times now called TypeHype. And I'm relatively active on TypePipe. I've put some sales stuff on it. Uh, competition stuff is going on TypePipe, and the community is growing. It's sitting at around, I think, was it 600, 640? Let me just have a check. 645 people at the moment. Yeah, it's still very, very small. It's still very, very small and, and burgeoning away. But I do hope that it will grow. However, Somebody from TypeHype that I was having a conversation with showed me a really interesting picture. And they've said, Mastrop has added tracking to the GeekHack email links. And I was like, wait, what? So they, they showed me uh, an excerpt of these emails. And the, the I suppose, uh, old emails that you would get from a place like GeekHack would be that, you know, if you have your setup done so that you get an email notification that somebody has actually replied to your topic or things like that, then it would have a link that sends you to GeekHack. Now, because GeekHack's been bought out by Mastrop, you would expect that, of course, they would have control over the site and do things in certain ways, but what's really interesting is straight up, the link to the thread isn't a GeekHack base address. The link says HTTPS colon slash slash t.massdrop.com slash. And then the rest of the chain of stuff that would take you to that thread. So they're fully, it looks like they've fully migrated the contents of GeekHack to Massdrop servers. And from what this person has told me essentially is that they're tracking using Mastrop tracking, you know, domain stuff, GeekHack activity. Now they're well within their right to do so. Well within their right to do so. There's, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that because they own the site. But it's interesting that they've chosen to run it and specifically display Mastrop rather than GeekHack because they still own that domain for GeekHack. Even if the the, the software and the bits behind it are hosted elsewhere. But hey, so yeah, it's really, really interesting. What does that mean? Probably not very much, but they are obviously collecting and watching and determining the behavior of the site and the users and the metrics, because no doubt the metrics is going to be providing them with a lot of metadata what users talk about, where users come from, 
what kind of topics are hot topics, you know, things that get a lot of foot traffic. And I guess it could either result in them looking at what those threads are about so they can come up with their own products or content to match that kind of interest within the community. Or if it's something that's really controversial, for example, they could potentially even say, we're going to make sure our stuff doesn't go anywhere near that kind of thing because the community backlash against it is massive. So it's smart moving, of course, for Massdrop to be watching that stuff, but how they watch it, of course, and if they're being transparent about it is a completely separate issue. Now, I do know that uh, Keep Talk is, of course, still going on as well. So if you do feel that there's some issues here and there with how Mastrop is handling this, then uh, there are alternatives. There's alternative places that you can go and hang out and talk to people and get involved and group buys and sell your stuff and, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. Now it's time to talk competitions. So this week, the competition for the Idea 23 keycap giveaway, Kevin asked last week, let us know who you think your most influential keyboard person is. And I only received two entries this week, okay? But that's fine, because if you're not in it, then you can't win it. And these two people responded, so they're in for a chance to actually win one of these keycaps. So one entry said, Romeo Tran on Reddit, based upon votes per post, but the new champion may be Feel G-Hood Music. Uh, I think Nathan Kim is his name. I've seen him make a lot of content. He's just absolutely smashing out content in builds and views and reviews and typing sound samples and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so that's pretty cool. I actually don't know who Romeo Tran is by name in that context, whereas I do know who Feel G Hood Music is. So that's that's a pretty valid entry. The second entry was, um, oh, I'm gonna find it, okay, is Mike from Novel Keys. So MG Sickler, Mike Sickler from Novel Keys. The, the comment here is, his close contact with Kaihua and Driver Innovation is amazing. Immediately coming forward and trying to resolve things as much as he can with the box switch debacle, etc. I believe he deserves some credit, seeing as it looks like he doesn't even take a break from all of this. He just keeps going with products, almost all well received within the community. And I would be, you know, happy to agree there that Mike from Novel Keys is outstanding. He, he does very, very well, communicates fantastic, doesn't shy away from issues or pretends that there's no problems and so on and so forth. So both of those entries, fantastic. I think they're very influential people indeed. But what I'm actually going to do now is I'm not going to draw a winner, but rather I'm going to use the Discord. I hope there's going to be people in the Discord to draw the winner instead. So the first entry, which is the, the Romeo and the Nathan, will be one. And the MG Sickler entry will be two. So I'm going to go into the, the Discord channel at some point and I'm going to say, okay, give me a number, either one or two. And whatever number that they choose on is going to be the winner. Now, our second competition that I need to close off is, of course, our monthly Kibio giveaway. And for all of this month, we had asked people to submit their idea, their name, to describe the ergonomic keyboard style. And that style is that you have lined up columns, but you had staggered rows to meet the curvature of your hands and finger length. It was a fantastic competition. We got a lot of entries. We actually had 18 respondents for a grand total of 78 alternative names for this format. <laughs> so what that does mean is a very large number of people threw in more than one entry. Okay, as a matter of fact, one particular person had 
25 <laughs> different names. So, you know, a lot of people got really behind this and were being very, very creative. Now, I'm not going to read out all of these because there's actually a lot of duplicates in here. One of the most popular names out there or popular phrases and words out there that was used as part of this entry is stagger, grid, and stacked. Following on to that was the word stepped. Okay, so, you know, we're talking about things like stacked split or, you know, staggered or step split and things like that, right? Stacked grid, staggered grid. So a lot of those kind of combination of words. Now, Danny said that we could decide a winner together. And so I put them all into a sheet and then, you know, we put down our preference and things like that. And so I want to mention some of the honorable selectees. Now, Kevin didn't have time to actually go through these because of traveling for work. But Danny did kind of say what his actual preferences were. And therefore, I was more than happy to essentially announce the winner based on Danny's response because he's actually done something even different yet again. But I'll get to that. I'll get to that. So for my preferences, my number one preference was actually um, tall, T-O-R-L, which stands for the only reasonable layout. I thought that was pretty funny. My second one that I liked was splagger, which was a combination of split and stagger. And my third, which was horizontal digital symmetry, or you could be shortened to HODs. So, you know, there, there were some really cool names. Now for Danny, I'm going to go backwards. So I'm going to go from three. So his third preference was Digiform, which, you know, digits, digital, form, fantastic sort of use there. At equal second, he actually had two choices of second, was Skyrise and Skyline. Now, they were actually from completely different people, but they had that same concept because the person who wrote Skyline actually also said the staggered columns represent a city skyline. So I'd really like that that visual imagery. And if you know any of the Kibio keyboards, they always have some kind of theme behind it. And they've been so far related to Danny's, you know, career and, and personal interest backgrounds in history related to, you know, mathematics, equations, physics, and that kind of stuff, science. So that's pretty cool. But Danny's actual favorite is a mix of entries. Well, sorry, a mix of two different names by the same entrant, right? Which was ergological and ercolumnical. Now, it's very cumbersome to say ercolumnical, but it's fine to say ergological. However, Danny's comment was that I kind of like a mix of these two as ergolumna. Now, what is really funny about this, and and this is not rigging at all, I promise you. Anyone who's actually interested in seeing this, you know, if you if you want to question integrity aspects here, because I'm happy to share it if necessary, but the the winner for the August Kibio giveaway is actually Bram Barret Bruggen. Bruggen. Bruggen? Bruggen. Our new Patreon supporter. So congratulations, Bram, because Danny liked the fact that you had those two entries, those two suggestions that he's mushed together, and I think he's going to go with Ergolumna. Now, there's been some really great things in here. You know, there was the, the gull wing, you know, the ambiform, uh, wavy ortho. Some of these are fantastic, you know, uses and, and names. You know, the uh, shift matrix, um, you know, happy hands, sorry, healthy hands. You know, so really creative. I want to say thank you to everybody who got involved with this month's competition. Now, I actually haven't had a chance to talk to Dan to see if he has anything else that he wants to throw into the mix. But because most people have been hanging out to the end of the month anyway and entering, I think if I don't announce a competition today for this month, it's not going to really upset a lot of people. You're still going to have one, two, three, 
still going to have, you know, four weeks and a little bit as per usual once I do announce what the theme will be for September's giveaway. So hang on tight there and we'll get details of those out to you. So now that kind of wraps everything up for the content that I have. About halfway through our normal episode time, which is which is perfectly fine. I think that's a, a good place to be to have a bit of fun with the community if necessary. And of course, we're going to find out who number one or number two is, is going to win from the competition. Now, I'm about to hop into the Discord channel and uh, we'll see who is there and how they're going to decide on who's going to win the Idea23 keycap for this week's giveaway. Rightio, and I'm now sitting in the general chat of the Australian Mechanical Keyboard Discord. Oh, well, there's already somebody here. <laughs> their, uh, their name is Chintamin. Hi. Yep. How's it going? It's going fine. I was just embarrassed to talk with my American accent. <laughs> now, it's really funny because you have an American accent, but are you are you actually in Australia or are you not? No, I'm actually in America. <laughs> so, so for those people who aren't very familiar with our Discord, we have restricted space where you have to prove that you are at least living in Australia or New Zealand to enter. And we do have other spaces that people from outside can can hang out and enjoy. And Chintamin, am I pronouncing that right, Chintamin? Sure, my name's Zed, if that's easier. Zed? Okay, great. So so Zed being not of uh, Australian residency, unable to demonstrate Australian residencies, hanging out in the external space. So how are you doing, Zed? I'm doing great. Haru suggested I come in. I'm not entirely sure what you're doing. But... <laughs> so... Uh, I don't know. Are you familiar with who I am and what I do? Um, not sure. Which is your business again? So my name's Don, and I am you. The... You run Askies then. <laughs> Currently, I'm in that head mod position. Strangely enough, but that's uh, that's incidental more than anything else. I'm actually the the co-host of the Board Podcast podcast. If you're familiar with it, nope, I haven't yet. No. <laughs> so what I'm doing right now is you're actually part of this week's episode. Uh, my co-host is actually traveling for work and has not been able to make it on tonight. And I was a little bit lazy, as it were, to to troll through and try and dredge up topics just by myself after having a bit of a a challenging week at work so you know i've done half the episode and this back half is just going to be a, a a chill out session and i thought i'd just hang around in the channel to see anyone wanted to talk keyboards or whatever and so here we are yeah now if you're from the u.s zed where do you hail from in the u.s i'm from the west coast oregon oregon how uh how close are you to bend in oregon Bend is on the the dry side of the mountains, and I'm on the wet side of the mountains. Right. So you're kind of like uh, Oceanside, Seattle side. Is that what? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Because uh, my brother actually lives in Bend. <laughs> ah, I just bought a piano from somebody over in Bend. Right. Had them deliver it. Other kind of keyboard. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Hello, Haru. Hello, Don. It's good to hear your voice. And that, of course, is uh, my daughter having a good time resisting bath time. <laughs> now, I take care of other people's. I don't have any of my own. That's quite the handful. <laughs> She's uh, two, two and a bit, and uh, bath time or shower time is challenging at times. So, yeah, I take care of two through five year olds. How do you manage to find time to build keyboards with the family? That's... Uh, it, it can be a challenge. Often it's late nights on weekends uh, and, you know, doing podcasting 
I used to record much later when my co-host was in the US. So Kevin was located in, in LA, but he's actually relocated to Southeast Asia. So his time zones completely shifted. So our normal recording time has moved in accordance with that, which is during when my daughter's actually awake, as you can hear. So yeah. That's a nice addition. It it is. And uh she she's generally okay because my wife can kind of keep her occupied and she's either watching, you know, wiggles or or playing or drawing or things like that. So yeah, it's it's manageable. As for building keyboards, I tend to try and do that if she's either at daycare or she's sleeping, obviously late at night, or if my wife takes her out to, you know, uh playgroup and things like that. So it can sure. be, yeah, it, there, there are opportunities. School, so I understand the importance of that for families. Yeah. Um, you know, she goes to daycare four days a week, but I normally get home and have about half an hour, 40 minutes before she comes home. Or if I have to go pick her up, if my wife is unable to pick her up. So yeah, it's enough to be able to do short videos for YouTube and things like that as well. Uh, or I just wait until she's in bed and then I roll into the wee hours of the morning trying to build stuff since obviously soldering irons and fumes and things like that aren't so uh friendly to no, little ones not, not kid friendly <laughs> at least until until she's old enough to be able to do it herself so don what's your daily driver if you don't mind my asking my daily driver at home right now uh, and has been for <laughs> oh my gosh we're getting rickrolled by monoxane <laughs> thank you very much um that's okay. I don't mind. <laughs> oh, and he's hopped off. <laughs> and he's left. Um, my daily driver at home is actually a Philco Magis Touch 2 with MX Blues in it. I currently have the Mix eDrug keycap set on it, but I've also got some artisans that I've made, especially on the space bar, uh, that I'm sort of testing durability for. But my daily driver at work cycles between a couple of different keyboards. I've got a 96 key Taba with uh, the Kale Box Navies in it using DSA grab bag keycaps. I've got a Taobao VEA clone with Box Jades in it with some OEM keycaps. I've also got a Ducky Legend with MX Blues and PBT lasered keycaps. Uh, what are they? They're Cherry Profile. Yep. How's and the Ducky Legend for uh, stiffness compared to the Magistouch? Oh. I would say the Ducky Legend is stiffer. Like, they both have a steel plate in them, but if you were to actually try and bend and really hammer down on it, the Ducky Legend gives you a, a much firmer response with that, that 5mm aluminium bezel top plate. It is a much colder keyboard to deal with because it is that aluminium top. And when you're in an office environment and you go away from your desk, you haven't been typing or writing for a while and the AC's on, you come back and your hands touch it, you're like, oh, okay, that's a little bit on the... I've got an aluminum case, I know what it's like. (laughs) Yeah, so, and then of course the last keyboard, and I have all these keyboards at work so I can play and cycle and and show off to people, try and be the gateway to mechanical keyboards for them, is my Leopold FC660C. So, oh, fancy. <laughs> I actually have a HHKB Pro 2 and a Cooler Master Nova Touch as well. The only thing that I'm missing from my collection is a real force. So, yeah. I've got no Tupper, nothing. I, I've got no Model Fs and I've got a few Model Ms kicking around. I had a Magistouch too. I've actually had like five or six Filkas at different points. They're nice keyboards, but um, I went away from them for different reasons. Um, I had a Cooler Master, not the Nova Touch, but I've actually got a pair of um, the Quickfires, the Rapids, yes, yeah. and uh, they're ninety percent of the keyboard that the Filco is for like less than half the price so i like it yeah well i mean if you're not going to be using numpad a lot then it then it's perfectly fine but for me i do use numpad a lot for work i've got an external numpad (laughs) oh the other thing is that i i should say um and this really affects my my keyboard choice i know you're using the via clone and that's a good way to do it but 
I'm very particular about layout, so I want my, my standard layout. But I'm still chasing that split keyboard experience, the, the reclining, sitting back, hands on either side, <laughs> godfather stuff. So I'm actually sitting here in a reclined um, office chair with two keyboards in front of me. So it's funny you mention that because somebody's done that with a let's split. It was ages back, but they'd put Velcro on the sure. back of the let's split and then they stitched like or glued Velcro onto their jeans and then they just whacked on the let's split I'm on sure the side I of their pants. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the thing is, but I I don't I have it on the desk. I have a a a twelve degree angle built into the desk. Right. And I actually had this desk custom built with a little ledge for the keywords. It's great. They they made a, a perfect keyword spot. They just failed to give me any place to mouse. So <laughs> Well, what you need so, to do is uh use a trackball instead. I'm I've I've got one sitting there. It's one of the big red marbles, but I've like my mouse. <laughs> I use it on the, the armrest. It's fantastic. The, so I use a pair of Vermilos that um, I tried to desolder and failed because of the uh, the that incredibly difficult um, LED return path. Right, right. But I, but I found that the, the Vermilo person was willing to send me a couple of replacement PCBs. So I, I yanked the, the switches out finally and, and a fit of peak and made a giant mess of the whole thing. But I had, there I was, I had the plates and I had a couple of aluminum cases that I'd gotten for them for the grand total of $80 for the two of them, um, brand new. And... Um, so I've got two VB87Ms that, not, no, VA87Ms, not the Bluetooth model, that I've, that they sent me new, um, PCBs for, and I've got, um, I'm using KL Box Heavy Blues. Right, right. Cool. Well, I, I, you know, I don't want to be cutting you off here, but obviously I'm I'm still recording an episode and everything else, and it's a fantastic discussion that we're having. But before we go any further with that, I actually have a competition that's that needs to be drawn, and there's two contestants, and rather than me making a decision on it, earlier in the episode I already said uh, I'd assigned the number one and number two to the particular entries. So now I note here that uh, Frustrated Mongolian is also here in the channel. How How's it going? He sure is. Hi. So I want the three of you guys to come up with a consensus on whether you want number one to win or number two to win. Definitely number Poop. Poop. Can you do 1.5? Poop. Poop. <laughs> so you want number I two? Want, I want number two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So number two has one and the number two entry was... MG Sickler being probably the most influential person recently in the mechanical keyboard community. Now, I'm I'm actually internally laughing a lot here because the person who submitted <laughs> I'm now I'm laughing externally. This entry was none other than Bram Verert Bruggen. Now, the reason why this is funny is because He's our new Patreon supporter, and and I answered a question of his earlier as part of the shout out. But he's also the same person that won the Kibio monthly giveaway, and now he's won the weekly Idea Twenty Three kick up as well. So it's like all your Christmases have come at once, Bram. So congratulations! I will get your details off you very shortly, and we'll get that key cap out to you as soon as possible. Thank you guys for helping me make that very challenging decision considering there was only two Number entrants. Number two. <laughs> now, I do actually want to ask a question because it was a really good one from Bram that I'd, I'd talked about earlier in the episode and I thought it would be a good discussion for, for you guys here. And his line and question was, being in this hobby means people I know frequently ask me why 
the hell would you need? Why the hell would you ever need more than one keyboard? So, who would like to go first? Brief, you know, maybe about a minute or so. Harry wants to go first. Oh no. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, well, I need more than one keyboard for two reasons. One is that I have more than one computer, so I need a keyboard for that computer. And the other reason is that certain different types of switches tailor themselves to different duties. So if I'm doing a lot of typing, then I would look for something tactile. If I'm doing uh, something like a lot of gaming or just general use, I'd go for clickies. Uh, yeah, so there's A for different computers and B for different uses, basically. Okay. And then who's next? Gentlemen. Ah. <laughs> Um, well, clickies are obviously just the best switch, but sometimes clickies aren't well suited to the time of day. So if I've got, you know, somebody twitchy sleeping over there, it's really nice to have a, a linear or a tactile around. Now, I usually just make everyone put up with it, but I've definitely had times where I had to switch to another keyboard because... These are not quiet switches, and the SA keycaps on them don't make them any quieter. Um, the other thing that, that I will say is that while I absolutely love the typing feel of a Model M, the level of hysteresis on it, um, it's pretty intense. It's, it's not a, a good repeated key switch keyboard at all. And well, the same is, is true of my kale box switches is that they're they're difficult to to hammer fast um, with any I mean I would say just using it feels fine, feels natural. but if I were to go up against somebody using a linear or a tactile, I would just lose horribly. <laughs> okay in any sort of, of any sort of button mashing thing, which, I mean, maybe not competitive stuff, but but I play a lot of um, fighting games on my keyboards and right. Yeah, well, which, you need to be able to pull those combos off timely. So, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay, and so now it's your turn, frustrated Mongolian. I just honestly don't know. You you don't know why <laughs> you need more than one keyboard. Uh, yeah, I honestly don't know. I first of all, I don't have like many keyboards. I have like only two. Uh, I uh, generally use one for uh, one at home and uh, the other one, the 60% one I just carry around. Okay. Do you think if that... that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah, it know. does. Yeah, so it's your portable keyboard for, for yeah, whatever situation um, you're in. For more uh, the portability and like how to say it, it's about like using uh, different switches so it... Uh, my English is not working today, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Now, do you think or feel that you would ever need or want more than two keyboards? If I had more money, absolutely yes. <laughs> <laughs> but then, okay. My budget, my budget isn't allowing me like, uh, more than two keyboards. Right. So, so, if your budget did allow you for more than key, two keyboards, though, why would you get that third or fourth or fifth keyboard? Uh, to try out different layouts, different switches, different keycaps, you know. Right, That's right. Like, okay, so it's really just about that variety yeah, than anything I, else. I think it's mostly about variety. Fantastic. For me, layout, having more than one keyboard, I most of the time I want a full layout, but there are times when I would really prefer the desk space or if I've moved to someplace that's not at my desk. Um going down to 60% or even just some ortholinear let's split kind of deal Yeah, yeah. would totally be worth it. I know what you mean because at home, like, I don't use my numpad as much now as I did a year ago because I don't work from home very often anymore. I deal with a lot of numbers at work. But even at work, when I started using that split VA clone, it doesn't have a numpad on it. And I've got one of my own macro pads I use as a numpad but I have my mouse positioned in between. So I'd actually reach past my mouse to use this numpad. 
now that I've put the 96 key in play, I'm actually really enjoying that size, but I still prefer the ergonomics of the split. So, you know, I would love to be able to have like a split 96, but then I've been thinking about a different layout concept lately that would still incorporate a numpad. So, yeah, it, I do understand what you mean about the situation and the context of different form factors is definitely right there in, in my mind here as well. Are you by any chance the sort of person that I should be making a pitch to for a layout? Uh, well, I do design PCBs and, and macros based on ProMicros, so I can assist you with that kind of thing if that's what you're after. Well, I was hoping that you would like maybe take an idea and if it just blooms in your mind, you might really do some of the design work for me so that I, I could purchase from you. <laughs> yes. Only if, you, only if you think it's amazing. So, so I love full, full keyboard layouts. Right. I love them. Right. So I can and say I, that that is stuff that I have done. Uh, I don't know if you know Coda on, on Reddit, but he came to me and said, you know, I would really love to be able to do an Apple extended keyboard to 65% that can take Alps. And so we worked together, he showed me the layout and he was like, I want it like this and I want position with, you know, space here so I can put like a, a WS RGB LED strip down the middle. And I actually ended up producing that PCB driven off a Pro Micro for him. He went off and sent the Gerber to a fab house of his preference. He got five of them, built it and it worked. So, you know, chuffed. But uh, yeah, we can definitely talk offline and, and see what kind of ideas you've got in mind. Now, I don't uh, want to... Uh yeah <laughs> i just really really want a full full layout split keyboard i really want my function row and my nav cluster i, I don't mind having a separate numpad because that's easy to tack on but i want a split okay full of layout cool well we can we can definitely talk now i'm i'm really curious because frustrated mongolian Obviously, you've got the word Mongolian there, and you do have an accent. Where are you calling in from today? Uh, what do you mean? Like, where am I right now? Yeah, location-wise. Yes, I, I'm in Mongolia, <laughs> obviously. That, well, well, I mean, I wasn't sure. You, you, you could be a, you know, a person of Mongolian ethnicity uh, and descent living in, in the US or somewhere else, right? Uh, no, I'm just native to Mongolian. <laughs> Fantastic. You know, you're, you're actually the first person in the keyboard community that I've ever met from Mongolia. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately, I think I, I'm the only one in Mongolia. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I just couldn't find anyone else. Yeah, I know. That's... Oh, hence your name. Ah, ah, I get it. <laughs> And I did see your uh, group by desire to go through daily clack for those MX clears. So I, I do wish you good yeah, luck. I want, yeah, I want those MX clears so badly. <laughs> now, of course, you know, I've known Haru for probably about a year now or so, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, not that we've ever met because he actually lives like on the literal other side of the country to me. But one day, maybe if funds permit, and and I head over there for a, a meetup, then uh, that'd be pretty cool to to say hello to Haru as well. The superior side of Australia, <laughs> the dolphin side of Australia, <laughs> where the sun where the sun sets. You know, you could actually literally get up, watch the sunrise, okay, on the east coast where I am in Sydney. Left coast is best coast. <laughs> and then you could hop on a plane and fly to the other side because it's like a five hour flight. You know, or you yeah. could go to Adelaide, chill out, and then hop on another plane from Adelaide to Perth, and then watch the sunset all in the same day. It's, it's definitely doable. Yeah, that's incredible. And so, do we know someone that's done that? I'm sure somebody has. Someone with a lot of money, mind you, but uh, I'm sure somebody has. Cost of um, plane tickets, even like within Australia, it's insane. It's like 500 plus for a return flight. Yeah. Victoria. Yeah, I think last time when I went to Perth, it cost me eight hundred dollars return. So, yeah, mm -hmm. 
I went in 2011 for an archery competition. So, mm, right. Now, we are actually at the end of our usual sort of episode time. So is yeah. there anything that you guys perhaps want to sort of chat about quickly or stuff that you want to shout out in general to the mechanical keyboard community? Uh, obviously, our podcast listeners are the ones that are going to be hearing this. So, yeah. Anything in particular? Uh, not really. Thing. Anyone else? Radio nah. silence. <laughs> now, do you guys have any questions for me in regards to like you know something I could give you a thirty-second answer on? Oh, Dead okay. silence. Have you ever lost pieces that go to one of your keyboards <laughs> while you were using it? While I was using it. Um, I've, I've lost a screw before, um, like when I was putting something back together and I had to scrounge another screw. Does that that's count? That's basically just the same as like losing like 17 screws, right? <laughs> I lost. Yes, it's I, the same. <laughs> I misplaced top brace springs. So I've, I've taken my HHKB apart because I put a resin bottom on it that I casted and when I was reassembling it, I lost one of the springs, or at least I thought I lost one of the springs, and I was, like, searching for the damn thing for, like, 40 minutes because I was like, I'm not putting the stupid thing back together without it. And it turns out it was actually double-stacked in another one of those conical springs. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, um, I was once... That had to feel weird as shit. Yeah. No, because I didn't actually put the keyboard back together, but I found it inside the other spring when I was, like, checking, going, like, where the hell did that other spring go? Mm. So, yeah, that's, like, the worst part of playing with top right <laughs> is those stupid springs. Now, I've opened a switch before, and I've had the spring go spring, but I found it pretty easily. <laughs> I think we've all lost our cherry springs. <laughs> so, yeah. Something but, happened but, to me. Uh, like you said, with the top reward, uh, I was putting together this, um, well, I took apart a, a um, rubber dome board to clean it. And then it, ha- it uses individual domes instead of a dome sheet. Right. So I was putting it back together and uh, the, basically the stabilizers are sort of like just dummy switches right down to the actual uh, like slider that touches the, uh, con- that touches the dome, which then touches the PCB. Yep. If you get what I mean. Yep. And then, so you just from looking at the bottom, you can't tell which one is just a stabilizer and which one is just a switch. Right, right. But because the domes are like individual, I had to um make sure they were all the back. One, yeah, and yeah, and then hold it above my head so all the domes didn't fall out, and then look at it, and then take it back down, and then put it put the um, dome back in. Yeah, and then eventually I was looking for a couple of domes, but I realized I had accidentally put them in the spot for the stabilizer. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, the joys. But that's why if you look at my, my videos and streams now when I actually build and put keyboards and PCBs together, I use that little ceramic source uh, dish. And that's why I put like my screws and stuff like that, my loose bits in there because it means I know exactly where they are now and they're not going to disappear into the mess that is my desk or on the floor and stuff like that. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, you know, I... I'm more than happy to stay on and chat once I wrap up with the episode and everything else. But uh, I do want to say publicly thank you to you guys for, for coming out and chatting with me, even Number though in two. brief. <laughs> I can tell you hang out with a lot of kids there, Zed. I've got a preschool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed a what actually turned out to be quite international chat on the Australian Mechanical Keyboard Discord uh, with Zed from the US in Oregon and Frustrated Mongolian from Mongolia and of course myself East Coast and Haru West Coast of Australia as well. Now, Haru, is that your real name? Yes. You need to kill yourself. (laughs) Come on, guys. It's a bit harsh. Um, Now... For those who may not know, who might be relatively new to our show and our YouTube, we're celebrating 
our two-year podcast anniversary with a giveaway. So please make sure you check out our previous episodes that have the details on that. It's a Gleam competition, so it's pretty easy. Just click on a couple of things. And our YouTube channel has also hit 2,000 subscribers within a week of our two-year anniversary. And we've got two artisan keycaps from Coscaps to give away. They're actually being run as separate competitions. The Werebear is, sorry, the Robear in Werebear theme is a Gleam competition. And the Idol Key in Gilded Purity is actually a written competition where you have to submit your best keyboard horror story with a twist. Yeah, I saw that. On type height. <laughs> what? So I've got some. So so you you can write a story or you can have an image. Uh, Outrage Pudding, for example, has actually created a movie poster that's keyboard related. That's like a horror oh. movie poster. It's pretty cool. And of course, the community is actually who's going to decide the winner. So it runs for about a month. It's still going right now. And you can vote by liking the post in that thread. And whoever's got the highest number of liked votes at the end of that time period will win that idle key. Okay. So, yeah. Thanks, of course, everyone for supporting our podcast and YouTube over the two years and the 2,000 subscribers. Really love and appreciate that. Okay. Well, I'm going to wrap the episode there. Thank you guys again for coming out and hanging and chilling with me. Hopefully next week, Kevin's going to be back and and we'll have a relatively uh, normal-ish episode, hopefully. And uh, yeah, as I like to say, of course, at the end of each of my episodes, until next time. Happy clacking.